spoken name. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I haven't dreamed at that moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I haven't dreamed waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins where it all came from since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional materials. You wake up one morning after not reading a book since your school days and you decide to be a writer. With no good or bad writing to compare against your own, you just know how to write and anyone who tells you otherwise is wrong. Hell, maybe they're jealous of your natural ability to craft the masterpiece. After all, most people need to learn through a combination of books, courses, critical feedback and workshops. Not you, though. It's not their fault. They don't realise your natural talent, but they soon will. How to Write Wrong is the new book by Amanda Steele. The book, which is an interactive story, gives the reader multiple options throughout its story. The book can be purchased from Amazon. Spoken Label. Thank you today for tuning in to Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up at the beginning of 2016 and as of recording has over 200 sessions in our archive. Although the podcast can be heard on Anchor, iTunes, Apple, Spotify, YouTube and literally 10 or 11 other networks, the full archive can be found at Spoken Label all one word spoken label dot bandcamp dot com on the bandcamp it is set as pay what you want so you are entitled if you wish you can download it or stream it for nothing but if you throw me a couple of pennies my way it is always eternally grateful to help me maintain the operating costs and future running plots for the podcast enjoy spoken hi guys and the end Spoke a label back in the house. I'm back on Zoom again today after a little break for my summer summer recess. So I've got um, a gentleman on the phone today, or Skype, or Zoom, I should say, who is a recommendation. And I love recommendations. The lady who recommended this gentleman is Linda Quinn, a good friend of Spoke and Label, who also goes to regular in my writing workshop as well. And she, and this young gentleman I'm speaking to doesn't realise this. But she's been raving over him to me for months, she has. <laughs> for a good, well, good four or five months now. So, And it's been it's top of the list to get going again when I start up again for the second few seasons of Spoken Label. And the gentleman is, is James Russell. So James, introduce yourself to everybody. Tell them who you are, where you originally come from, and tell us about the place you've lived at before you ended up with where you are now, because you've done a bit of travelling, really. I have, yes. Well, f- first of all, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's great. Really looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, well, I'm uh, James Russell. I am obviously, well, obviously I'm from Scotland, from the centre of Scotland, a, a village called Alloa, which is, you know, kind of slap bang in the middle of Scotland. I don't live there now, though. Uh, I did uh, nurse training there in Scotland, and I moved immediately to London, worked a few years in London as a nurse. And then over to Sydney in Australia, and I was there for two years. 
came back to London for a couple of years and now I've found myself living in Ibiza in Spain. So quite a change from uh, the Scottish summers to the Spanish summers, but yeah. Oh yeah, completely. It's, it's like it's, everything you've done there really has been turned on its head really, because like, you started off with the Scottish summer and then you went to London and then you went to Australia, which I find like that's major contrast. And then obviously to London and back to, over to Spain then. So, so tell us about then so, how, what was Australia like then for as a person? Was that quite a good experience to live in Australia? Well, Sydney, Sydney's a great place to live. It's a, it's a beautiful si uh, city um, and it's built up around the massive bay that comes in. It's very hilly, it's got fantastic beaches, the climate's great and obviously it gets hot in the summer, but it doesn't get too cold in the winter. And being a nurse, I was able to get a, a job quite easily. I'll get sponsored quite easily. So I had a great time over there. And it's a great Ooh. place to, the whole island, not island, it's a continent, is a great place to travel you know, up to the jungles in the north and you went skiing and uh, went to New Zealand. So it's, it's a good base to, you know, to go from. Yeah, oh, I really cool. enjoyed my, my couple of years there. Cool. I know you've been in Spain for some years now, haven't you? Did you say about six years before, did you? Uh, 12 years almost. Oh, 12 years, I apologise. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So like, what's in, what's, how's Spain been? And obviously you've been there for 12 years and you've obviously really enjoyed it and been in the beef for them basically. So. Yeah. Well, I, I married a local, so we came back to live in Ibiza. And again, I was very lucky with the, with the profession uh, of nursing because you know, once you've got the skill set, you just need to learn a new language and you can kind of slip, slide in anywhere. So I managed to get work quite quickly and we settled in. It's a great quality of life over here. Uh, tour season's a bit hectic, especially I work in the um, A and E. So oh, yeah. Very yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd uh, tell you some tales about that uh, from we're offline. Um, but but that's, that's been good. And it's been, you know, like I say, uh, 12 years. And uh, well, I think I'll probably stay here now, I'd imagine. Uh, I think there's every chance that you've been there for 12 years. I think that's definitely as close to putting your roots down than anything, I think, really. That's so. Now, we're here today to talk about your writing, really. So do you want to tell people about your journey as a writer? Where did it, where did it all come from originally? Yeah, well, it's back to the nursing again. I, I um, was studying as well as a, you know, many professions do. You have to keep working, keep studying, doing courses, updates. And I just felt all I was doing was writing and I wasn't getting much out of it. It was all very professional stuff I was doing. So I thought, well, do you know what? I'm just going to do something for myself. So I, uh, I did a, an online course, which is a free course, and it was an introduction to fiction writing. And I thought, this is it. This is great. And so I just kept going with that. Then a few years ago, when you mentioned Linda, I met Linda at the Pikes Literature Festival here in Ibiza. And it was great. She was the kind of first person who I had as a face-to-face a -face teacher. Mm. And she did lots of different sessions over the, over the days. And you know, we prepared stuff, we read it out to each other, we got feedback and I was just kind of addicted to it after that. It was great. She's a, she's a very, she's very inspirational, Linda. I mean, I can't wait. She's got a book coming out soon, I think. Yeah. Well, I know she's, she's So I can't wait to read that. You're not the only one. Um, obviously, like, um, people, if they look around, they would notice that you've been in the, my, my partner Amanda's Printed Words magazine. And um, I yeah. think we met Linda from that original. Got talking to her with an Instagram group she was in with partner Amanda. And um, you're right, she's, I've, I've read numerous extracts of Linda's book. 
and I'm fully looking forward to this book as well, like you are as well. So, yes, you're so right. Oh, fantastic writer! Right, in relation yeah. to in relation to your writing, then. So, I know you've got a novel on the way at the moment, haven't you? So, and you've been doing probably a lot more, I'm guessing more short stories, really, haven't you? Flash fiction. Yeah, well, I, I did. I started writing a novel based on a little old lady who lived in my street. That sounds like I'm a start of a, a tale, but it's, it's the truth. And this old lady was, um, well, she was a, I not, she didn't give too much away, but she worked all her life as a prostitute. And I thought, that's fantastic. What happens to an older lady who works as a prostitute? And if she must fall through the, the social services. She must be on the outside of society. She can't get much help from the government. So I was really interested in that character. And thinking about that, I invented a whole history for her, how she became to be a prostitute. And uh, that's where the novel comes from. Oh, and it's great. Well, it's great. I, I say it's great. I'm still looking for a home and I'm looking for an agent. But yeah, it's good. And I've probably started a, a second one on from that as well. Have you really? So it's going to be like a series then, basically, is it? Or yeah, well, one of, the, one of the, maybe not a series, but a second, a second one. Uh, I think I've got space to get a second one out of that because there's a, she has strikes of a friendship with her uh, neighbour who's only 14 years old. And he's having troubles at school because he's a little bit of a wild boy and she kind of helps him a little bit. So the story ends, he's still, he's 15, so he's got a whole future ahead of him. So I think I might explore that a little bit in my next one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you mentioned short stories. The, yeah. We talked about Amanda and the printed words. Uh, that was the second thing I had published or accepted for publication. And I've only kind of been handing things in for publication for about a year and a bit now. And when Amanda said yes, I thought, this is brilliant, because that's the second one. So it's like the first one wasn't just a fluke. So <laughs> the second one's a bit of um, confirmation that the writing's not, not too bad, you know? No, you definitely need to get in there, yeah. So you get in print. once you've been in printed words, the sky's it, there's the world's your oyster on that one, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I've no. made it. <laughs> well, no, no, brilliant with that. So, like I said, it's um, what's your obviously, when you've been a nurse, and obviously, your writing would probably will come probably when you're not in work, really. Because, like, imagine nursing in quite long shifts for you, then, really. So, do, do you find you like, are you writing when you're at work, scribbling, getting the cup note at your notebook at your pocket, scribbling words down, walking around, or, or is it mostly do. do you writing at home, really? You're absolutely right, and no, I do. I've got I've got a tiny notebook that I, that I keep in my pocket, and I just one of the things about healthcare is you get really close to people. You see people at their most vulnerable, and you see see human true human characteristics coming through without any facade. And I think that's a really a privileged position to be in, and it's great so to see people. Well, it's not going to see people like that at the most vulnerable, but you know you get to see what humanity is like, and. Um, so I do scribble down a few things. Also, I don't do any writing at work, so I never have time, but the, I, I do make a few notes about things because I've got a terrible memory. So, no, no, that's okay. not good. No, I get it completely. I'm the same. Most of my, most my writing is doing them traveling to and from work because I'm on public transport. So like it's, yeah. I'm guessing your case, you probably like when you wait to get home, don't you? And pulling notes out of your pockets and scribbling, get, expanding things when you get a chance then, don't you? So, <laughs> no, I get it. Yeah. Looks in my pocket. I mean, what does this mean? Where did this come from? Right I, I, I'm quite organised. Once I get home, you know, I've got a, 
I've got up a desk with uh, piles of things that I know. I, it looks messy, but I know exactly what's happening. <laughs> Best way. Did you find then, when you were younger then, obviously, before you got into writing, were there any writers that really grabbed you at the time? Any big favourite writers of yours? I got really into, well, when I was younger, I think, as most people do, I, I dabbled in a bit of kind of a teenage angst poetry, which was completely rubbish. Well, I still got one as well. <laughs> Well, you? <laughs> it is angry, it is rubbish. Do you, read it? do you cringe when you read it? Yeah, frequently. <laughs> no, so when I, I, I remember one of the first books that really grabbed me was a book called Ragtime. And um, every time I say Ragtime, I say Scott Joplin, but he's not the writer. It said Doctoro. And it's, it's, that was a fantastic book. And I immediately got into um, Stephen King and James Herbert, James Herbert, the, the English writer which is all kind of horror, touching on the horror. Um, oh, you're, you're great, great stories, great characters. You're going about with Amanda. Amanda's, Amanda's favorite writer is Stephen King. Uh, but he is a fantastic, he's, you know, he's, he's the god of writers, but he's, you know, he's one of the best ever, isn't he? <laughs> he's a great imagination, a great, great way of telling stories. A great way of telling stories. And I've got, I've got an, his, he has another book out, which is about writing and just his musings on writing and um, a bit of history about how he became a writer and how he, the methods used his writing. And it's very insightful. It's, it's very good. For someone like me, you know, uh, someone who's starting off writing, it's what a great tool to have to look at. No, I agree. I agree with what Amanda says. That she, no, she calls that book her Bible. I know she does straight away. So it's obviously proved a help to her. So. No, brilliant. Now, where do you, where would you like your writing to be aimed at then in the future? Obviously, if you can get a novel published. Well, oh, I don't know. I just, I would love to explore different things. Because I don't, as a writer, I don't think I've really found my true voice or my true, the kind of writing I want to do. Mm. So the, the, the novel just finished is a kind of historical novel. Although it's, you know, it's a, like I say, it's the old lady's uh, life and flashbacks and a bit of contempt what's happening in her life around her at, at the time as well. So it's mostly historical. But I'd like to try all other sorts of things, anything but romance. I'm not really... I like, I like the gritty, hard stuff. I like a little bit of, you know, real life. Because people don't have... No one lives in fairy tales. Or, you know, very few people live fairy tale lives. You, you need to get into the their soul, the truth, the, the, the way they live and the things they have to do to survive. And that's the grittiness, I think, is the, is the most important thing in, for me in writing. So that's why I say not, probably not romance, but anything else. I might try something horror later. <laughs> <laughs> always, I'm always a believer in a writer. If you can, just try out as much different genres as you can, basically. Yeah. I, I'm really a poet, honestly. I've got a novel. I'm, I've got a novel a non-fiction novel near the road, and a market through an action fantasy one as well. Or as, or as Amanda says, it's a bad-tempered, foul-mouthed action adventure one. <laughs> all she seems to see is my character walking out swearing at people. <laughs> and when he um, every time he runs into trouble, he calls up a nine-foot demon, which is his bodyguard, <laughs> to beat people up. <laughs> but you know what? People do swear. That's life. Yeah, exactly. So it is what it is, I would say, definitely with that one. So no, good luck, definitely. So, um, obviously, like I know you're doing short stories and stuff. Then, so how did yeah. your approach in on the novel vary from your short stories you've been writing then? 
did you find you had to really sit down map out your novel a lot more than your short stories well i i, I should have but i didn't the, the, as i was going along, i made the novel up well made it up as i was going along obviously it's fiction but the first thing i was doing was i was i was trying to paint scenes like a painter you know trying to put myself in these wonderful descriptive scenes where you know the the environment and the neighborhood and the surroundings become a character and then reading it over it was just so long-winded so I, you know, I ended up during the editing part taking loads of that out which you can't really do in a short story because you don't have the time or the space to you know to paint scenes or do lots of descriptions um and i quite like working to um under pressure so someone said you know if you've got a time limit or you've got a word limit and you have to be quite choosy with the, the way that you structure your sentences to so it fits in and still makes sense. Which obviously in the novel working, you don't need to do that. You've got so much, so much more time and space to write. Um, but yeah, I think I've just finished a, a short story. Well, it's about 3,000 words about COVID. Well, it's not really about COVID. It doesn't mention the diseases, the, the stresses people are under everyday people as a doctor and uh, a receptionist are under working in, in the conditions, meeting people and having to deal with the public that are very scared and misinformed. And so it doesn't really deal with the deal with the illness, but it deals with the fallout of the illness. So I'm quite happy with it, but I, you know, it's again, 3000 word limit. You have to be quite choosy with what you're, what you're putting in and what you're leaving in. No, I agree. I agree. I agree with you completely. It can be like I said, is you know when you're doing a three thousand short story, you get that you get two thousand five hundred if you're thinking. This could, yeah, go, on, this could go on ten a whole heck, I'm gonna have to do something drastic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know I know exactly what you mean with that. So definitely so brilliant. Well, that's pretty well my questions today, you know, James. So if people want to find out more about you, where are the best going? Well, I don't really have an online presence. I don't have a website or anything like that, but I think, well, no, I think, I do have a, a Twitter feed. Uh, someone just looks up James Russell, uh, they'll find it, I guess. Um, and I post things on there, but links to the things that I've published. Um, I, I comment quite a lot on other people's things, so that would be the only place, really. Oh, sorry. But I guess once... Sorry, there's one thing I forgot to ask you as well, I just realised that. Um, you won, you came, you won, you've done well in the competition recently as well, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I got a... Yeah, I got that. <laughs> yeah, I, lo I love this. I, uh, on another project I've got on the go, it's a, a little boy who is seven, eight years old, and his mother has mental health issues. So and this little boy is called Peter. And so it's a kind of personal account. First, first person, uh, his view of what's going on with his mum being in a hospital and his father not coping and his father drinking too much. So I took an extract of that and handed it into, sent it in to um, the Irish Embassy were running a competition based oh, wow. on James Joyce's Ulysses, which happens in a day. So I kind of restructured it a little bit to make sure the whole Peter's story about him having a day out with his dad and his granddad going to the funfair uh, happened in a day. And they wrote back saying, oh, you've, you've made the shortlist. And making the shortlist out of 200 entries, I was over the moon. I thought, well, this is it. This is fantastic. 
to make it a shortlist. That's what, I was happy at that. And then the uh, I got a runners-up prize in the end, which was which was fun, which is really good. And you can read that. That's pinned to my. Uh, that's my first tweet pinned on my uh, Twitter account. <laughs> good man, good man. Anyway, check him out then. Definitely on Twitter because yeah, yeah, I I love James's piece in the Manda's Printed Words magazine. So definitely, he's, I think he's a real large to watch it. So right, James. Yeah. What other is? Funnily enough, that's that happens in a day as well. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Right, what we'll do, we'll take you take a quick break, get yourself prepared. We've got Danny doing two short pieces for us. Then we hang around. I'm as always looking forward to this. So thank you today, James. It's been a pleasure. I'm looking forward to part two. Hang around. Thank you. See you in one minute. Spoke Hi guys, Andy and Jim. Still here with James. So James is gonna read up two pieces for us now. Over to you, my friend. Thank you. Uh, well, the first piece is called The Club, and that came out in uh, an anthology called Tall Tales and Short Stories by Emma Carlson. Okay, so The Club. At precisely 11 p.m., John Phillips opens the heavy security door onto a rain-dampened street and hooks it into the wall. He is clean-shaven and dressed impeccably, although he feels a little foolish in the tuxedo the bouncers are obliged to wear. Two tipsy young women totter by, their voices clacking as much as their stiletto heels. They comment on the size of his biceps and his presumed sexual prowess. He smiles back, resisting the urge to banter. His boss asks to an earpiece if the doors are open yet. Yes, Billy, he replies, but he knows he's being watched on CCTV and keeps his eyes forward. A polite reminder not to engage with the public. This is the Leighton Club in Soho. There are standards to be upheld. The noise levels on the street begin to rise as bars and restaurants empty. Bellies full of beer and wine make for brilliant behaviour, but John sticks to his task, always the consummate professional, politely moving people on from the club's plush entrance. As the street clears, he sees a couple holding hands. What catches his eye is not that they are both men, but something in the gait of a taller one. Something registers before he is even aware of it. A recognition that comes from familiarity and intimacy. As they pass by, the tall one drops his friend's hand. Not just lets go, but forces it away. He smiles to John. A weak, apologetic winsome smile, but carries on. No attempt to stop. John stares back, not reciprocating the smile. Not wavering, but feels a tightness in his chest. The building crush of anxiety. It has been over a year since they split. This is the first time he has seen his ex-husband with another man. His mouth is dry and his words stick as he excuses himself to his colleague who gapes back in bewilderment. He stumbles to the staff bathroom and vomits. His eyes are watering, but he doesn't know if he's crying. As he leaves the cubicle, Billy is waiting. If you're ill, you shouldn't have come to work. There's no compassion in his words. John nods, yes, Billy and returns to his post. And that was the first one. Fantastic. That was really, really good stuff, though. Really, really, really good. Really, really quite. I got, I got really got into the narrative. That was good stuff, mate. Okay. Uh, the, the second one um, was published in a, a magazine called The Dribble Drabble Review. And a drabble 
I'm now aware is a story of exactly 100 words and the dribble 50 words. So this is my attempt at uh, a drabble, 100 words. And it's called The Guest. They all stop trying. Lethargy, indifference seeps into the cabin like a dense fog. The air, heavier to breathe, heavier to move through. The weather colludes, the wind and rain hem them in. Chocolates, the guest has brought, lie open on the table, untouched since the first obligatory taste on arrival, when it was still smiles and expectation. Taking one could perhaps reset time, taking a few of them back to a sunnier, more tolerant place, but they realise they don't want this. Conversation stalls, will exhausts. They just want this to be over, but time will pass no quicker. 100 words, that's it. Really, no, no, really good stuff, that man. You've got really, you do have a really, you do have a really good, rich reading voice that you do, and I've really, I've really, really enjoyed that. Thank you. So, <laughs> you're not, you're not going to tempt me into performance because I <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, I'll, I'll work on you. I'll take a couple of years. <laughs> I'll make a performer out of you, yeah, young man, definitely. <laughs> anyway, next time I'm in Manchester, I'll come by and see you. <laughs> always welcome, mate, definitely, always welcome, right. Right, James, thank you again for today, seriously, mate. Hang around, I need to speak to you off yeah. the mic. But this is Andy and signing out. So take care, guys and girls. Stay safe and stay over. Bye. Bye. Spock, mate.